Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Dr. George Tiller was an abortion provider in Wichita, Kansas for over 34 years. He provided excellent abortion care to individuals within his community and to people from far beyond, with many of his patients traveling hundreds of miles across multiple states to receive care at his clinic. Specializing in abortions after the first trimester, Dr. Tiller was willing to provide care to individuals who many other doctors were simply unwilling or unable to serve. Dr. Tiller personally drew a tremendous amount of focus from anti-abortion extremists, and he was vilified, nationally targeted, and physically harmed multiple times throughout his career. His clinic was firebombed. He was shot previously, and sadly, on Sunday the 31st of May in 2009, Dr. George Tiller was shot and killed. Dr. Tiller wasn't shot in his home. He wasn't shot and killed in his clinic. He was shot and killed, assassinated, in his house of worship, inside Reformation Lutheran Church in Wichita. In this week when we are reeling after multiple situations of gun violence, multiple moments of terror in our nation's very immediate history, we remember that this kind of violence is not divorced from our body politic. It is married so tightly together with anti-abortion extremism and religious fundamentalism. These terrors are one and the same. In so many ways, the violence we are experiencing here in our nation today, gun violence, and the continued assault on people's bodies and freedoms, they are tied inextricably together. Dr. Tiller knew that, and certainly many others who have given their life in the pursuit of freedom knew that. We recognize today that there is an unbroken line between the extremism, the white Christian supremacy that killed Dr. George Tiller in 2009 and the same actions that continue through our modern day in Buffalo, in Uvalde, in many other places in our nation. This kind of extremism wears us down, and today, Kelly and I are kind of wore out. We're worn out by all of the violence that we continually see day after day coming into our sphere of view. We're worn out waiting for the Supreme Court to do its violence by overturning Roe or whatever small half measure it's going to take on the way to a complete dismantling of reproductive health rights and justice in the law. And we're weary because every day people who need care, who need compassion, who seek not only abortion care, but to raise their children in the freedom of a thriving society. All of those people are longing for a day when they can just live. Callie, I know you've been on vacation here for a little bit, been able to get away for a while, and I know returning to all of this must feel just just so overwhelming. Where are you in this moment? 
Yeah, um, I mean, I think I'm... It's it's really... It really sucks to come back to, you know, more gun violence, more pain, more people being harmed, and... And, like... I was I was telling Terry before this, like th- doing this work, being in social justice spaces and um, talking about it on this podcast, uh, this biweekly podcast that we record, um, talking about abortion bans and and living with the knowledge that abortion access is not attainable for a lot of people and will continue to be cut back by um, legislators that do not care about their people. That was already hard enough. You know, I often, like, before we start recording these podcasts, um, have a moment where I'm like, well, you know, another terrible thing happened, and, like, how are we going to address this? And in the last one, you know, I made the um, the request that we make a statement and kind of move forward with the podcast just because I have been so worn down by this constant barrage of things happening. So, and that, and that was, you know, mostly just abortion access related and, you know, having to deal with that was hard enough, but to come back and to have to, you know, think about these things that happen and impact the work and who are, you know, often done and supported by the same people. Um, it's just exhausting. And I think, you know, I speak for a lot of people when I say I'm just like tired of dealing with this and tired of having to pivot and having to deal with another crisis situation. Like, I just want to come on here and talk about like how stupid it is that, you know, last week or a couple of weeks ago, I've been trying really, or I tried really hard to stay away from the news when I was, um, away to try to get myself a, a break from, from everything. But like there was the, the hearings in Ohio about trans rights and also abortion rights at the, like basically the same time. Like I would rather talk about that than talk about a school shooting or a shooting at a public place that should be safe for people or, you know, people's reaction being like oh let's arm teachers instead like that it's just I'm tired and there's it's just week after week of trying to figure out what the next thing I'm gonna have to say is and like you know there's there's nothing that I can do to make anyone feel better and there's like very little that I can do to like ease the hurt of those who are grieving right now. Um, but what I can do is like empathize and, and, you know, let people know that they're not alone and, you know, the, (laughs) the reproductive justice, um, call for, you know, the right to have children, to not have children, and to parent the children you have in safe and sustainable communities includes schools, (laughs) includes supermarkets, includes all the other places that should be safe for, for people and their children to be without feeling at risk of losing their life. Like, it's ridiculous, um, that, 
you know, I often wonder, like, what, uh, what is the next thing that's going to happen and what other places that I thought were safe for me are not going to be safe for me anymore. So that's kind of uh, where I'm at right now. And, and that idea of safe space, I think, is so central to the ideology that drives so much of this violence, right? We're told that um, safety means allowing um, more of our tax dollars to go to the police. Safety means more guns. Safety means more locks and uh, metal detectors and restrictions and all the things that, that come with that perception of safety and none of it has stopped the violence right none of it has stopped this ethic of forcing someone else's will on someone else right that that's the base ethic of these violations of of this violence um you know i i heard about the texas shooting last week while I was driving to Lebanon, Ohio, right? We had some fantastic organizers in Lebanon invite some of us to come to a rally at their city council, their city council that passed a ridiculous measure purporting to ban abortion in the city of Lebanon as if they have that right or ability. Um, The city council was celebrating their one-year anniversary of being idiots and, you know, passing that. And... On my way over, you know, NPR breaks into this. Yes, I listen to NPR. NPR breaks into their their coverage with this description of just another terrible event. And, you know, as we gathered for that rally and began to, you know, to inform people who hadn't been listening to the news, the reaction was very nonplussed. I mean, there were people who said, oh, that's that's unfortunate and just moved on there there was a moment where we didn't really know like how many people had died and folks were already moving on and you know one of the local organizers Leslie Nahigian um, she just called that out she said you know how ridiculous is it that we are sitting here um, just saying oh it's another one how, how, how has this become our way of life? And to have that contrasted over and against the city of Lebanon spending tax dollars, spending time and effort and money trying to strip people of their right to abortion access while our nation can't even secure its, its schools and provide safe education for children it's it boggles the mind. I mean, even the concept of securing a school, right? That phrase, like, we're not securing our schools by having more firearms. Having 19 cops stand outside while, you know, this violence raged on in this place didn't do anything for those children, right? Safety means something other than more guns and more violence. Safety means... A sustainable community, you know, that that RJ ethic. And that requires a lot more than just throwing guns and thoughts and prayers at a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like 
when thinking about safety and what is deemed like helpful for safety, um, I think like, you know, safety for who, like, you know, there, I'm sure that there are people who do feel safer when there's guns around. I'm sure that that's true for some people. However, for me, um, especially given all of the racial attacks on, on black people that are committed by, um, uh, police officers with guns, like guns don't necessarily make me feel safer. And given the, you know, school shootings and the fact that kids have these, have to do these drills for school shootings and like all of those things, like what makes you think that for those kids who have had the fear of guns like put into them, um, like are going to feel safer having more guns around. But, and, and like the, the total disconnect between the like people who legislate and the people who like live their everyday lives, um, is astounding to me. You know, I, I have been talking to people about, you know, just the Supreme Court stuff with abortion access and all of that. And a lot of people are confused and think like, oh, the Supreme Court can't just take away our right to um, bodily autonomy. Like the people have to vote on that. And I'm like, actually, no, they don't have to vote on that. And the Supreme Court can take away that right for you from you in the same way that they like gave it, quote unquote. Um so, like, you, the, that disconnect between, like, the, the actual people who are living their lives and who believe that, like, they have some amount of representation in the way that their laws are created are, you know, completely separated from the people who are making those laws, like the Supreme Court justices who are threatening people's access to abortion. And then the separation between, like, uh, kids and the legislators or like the people in communities in Columbus, like the one that Micaiah Bryan is in. I think about Micaiah Bryan a lot. Um, like they are not <laughs> the people who are, I'm sure asking for, um, teachers to be armed. Like those, those are not, it's, there's just a lot of disconnect between those who make the laws and those who are governed by the laws. And, it just uh, hurts because it's like in the in the same way that a legislator who has a mistress who gets pregnant can always get an abortion. Um, they are not affected by the bans that they might even uh, vote for or create themselves. Um, the the people who are creating these laws or refusing to do anything about gun violence continually happening are not the same people who are at risk of being shot in schools or at risk of being shot in a church or at risk of being shot in a supermarket. Those aren't the same people. And um, I, I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I can get through to those people because those people are the people who, uh, you know, make the changes and they're not listening to the people that they should be listening to. Instead, they're caught up in capitalism and, you know, super um, PACs and and all of that stuff. And it's an election year, so you don't want to piss off your voters and like 
those kinds of things. So anyway, <laughs> I'm a little, uh, 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 what is it called? Uh, skeptical. I'm a little skeptical right now. Well, and I, I think what our system of governance has shown us time and again is that unless something rises to the level of severe social disturbance, we don't get any kind of change out of the existing political system. I mean, you, th- you think about the kind of uprising that had to happen to get the Voting Rights Act passed. It was a tremendous nationwide groaning that was necessary to move the needle on federal legislation. Um, When we think about people here in our state, our legislators in our state have absolutely no accountability to the voters. The gerrymandering process has already selected voters for specific lawmakers instead of you know the voters choosing their lawmakers the lawmakers get to choose their voters and they don't care what anybody else has to say micaiah bryant's neighborhood has been so gerrymandered and cracked apart um you know in successive maps for legislative districts that they can't build local political power in micaiah bryant's neighborhood people who live where micaiah bryant lived do not matter to the vast majority of individuals in the state legislature because they don't have political power in the way the system's drawn. In the same way that we have a system of governance at the federal level where we have a United States Senate that's going to allow abortion rights to be gutted at the national level on, you know, what small grounds we already have, uh, you know, in Roe, they're going to allow Roe to be gutted on the basis of small individual communities that have been effectively oppressed who can't send their actual representatives to Congress. And when they do send representation, it's not equitable, right? We're going to have 50 senators stand in the way of abortion rights being codified who represent 40 million fewer people than the 50 senators who stand up for abortion rights. And I really, it should be 51 and 49, because, you know, Joe Manchin is, you know, the guy. Um, we'll, We'll get into that some other time. But, like, we have systems of governance in this country that are meant not to transform or to create thriving communities, but to maintain political power for wealthy white people, right? I mean, that is that is the system. And when we talk about solutions, solutions are always seen by that system in light of who that system is meant to benefit, right? That system is not meant to benefit poor people. It's not meant to benefit people who are non-white. It's not meant to benefit people who, frankly, um, you know, are utilizing the majority of services, whether it's healthcare services, whether it's public education, you know, the whole conversation about safe public schools has to be seen in light of a strategic divestment from public education on behalf of wealthy people. Wealthy people do not send their kids to public schools because they have the wealth and the ability to choose 
to send their children to a different place to isolate them from the realities of public school divestment and public school risk, right? So it's all of these very wealthy people being able to not take the risks that they force on other people's bodies, which is 100% the repro problem, right? Like, the whole problem with restricting access to abortion and repro is that wealthy people force risks on other people's bodies that they won't force on their own. And that's what's happening in, in terms of gun violence and school violence in our nation today. Yeah. It's, it's like... It reminds me of, like, uh, I don't remember, like, what specifically, but I know that this is, like, a common occurrence where, you know, something that is completely, and, and this is true of me as well, like, something that is completely normal and a choice for me as a as a middle-class person is absolutely not a choice for uh, somebody who is not in that same amount of privilege. Like, you know... I can say, like, oh, you don't like the food at Kroger? Then why don't you go to Giant Eagle? But, like, if that's not an option for some people, then, like, that you you can't um, make decisions with the assumption that people have that kind of alternative option. You know, uh, it, a, a wealthy person who maybe sends their kids to private school may say to to people who say like, oh, I'm worried about my kids being in school. Well, why don't you just send your school or your kid to uh, like a, a private school or to one of these charter schools? And it's like, do you do you not understand? Like, that's not an option for everyone. And you cannot like support um, a lack of access to safety for people in public schools just because you don't have to be there, you know, Um and I mean, a, a similar thing might be something that people think about with with abortion rights, like, oh, you need an abortion and you live in Ohio. Why don't you just go to New York? That's not an option for all people. Um, and that is like something that's really important to to bring up. There's there's like the separation between the people who make the rules and <laughs> the people who are governed by them. And I think that there's a, a lack of understanding between the two. And I'm not even saying that, like, if we knew for sure that wealthy people understood the lives and issues of people who are not wealthier, um, that that would change things because some people are just, like, not great people um, or choose to make bad decisions that hurt people. But, yeah, it's just... And that the the just safe and sustainable communities part of of all of this. The I think that another part is that sustainability portion, and this is not sustainable. Giving giving teachers guns is not sustainable. Doing like this constant like mass shooting situation is not a sustainable option <laughs> none of this is sustainable and it's it's just hard to see the like it, things that could be done if people just listen to the people they're supposed to be representing um not happen because they don't listen and uh and all of this like you know it something that like kind of gets to me is that like 
everything is so connected. Like the same people who are anti-abortion are also racist. Um, and like there is this connection to capitalism and how like drawing this back to uh, repro like uh, people who uh, are are not <laughs> wealthy or could not afford to have a child are kind of stuck in poverty because of a lack of access to um, abortion options if they if they want that. Um, and like all of this stuff goes together. You know, I think about like, you know, people who might see our stuff about um, the abolitionist um, uh, book club or the uh, restorative and transformative justice book club or the restorative and transformative justice training and think like, why are those things relevant to repro? And they're relevant because the same people who are putting people in prison and increasing the, you know, people of color population of uh, prisons are the same people who um, are anti-abortion and the same people who are supporting uh, gun access to people without having to have a background check or training. Um, they're the same people who are like supporting politicians who vote against uh, abortion rights. So like it's all connected and it's just a big web, a big connected web. Um, I'm not providing a lot of uh, uh, reprieve today. Today is very <laughs> today is very heavy and I guess that's just uh, a representation of where I'm at after uh, coming back to this after a nice weekend. <laughs> Oh, well, a week away from from all of this stress and harm. And I'm very grateful for the break. However, it doesn't make coming back any easier. And I think it's important for us to sit in the messiness and the struggle and, frankly, the sorrow of mm -hmm. where we are as a nation in so many ways. You know, it, it doesn't do us any good to try to happy it up and pretend it isn't what it is. Um, you know, we, we're recording today on the 31st of May, um, which is the anniversary of George Tiller's death. And I always have a, a somewhat somber, sullen day on this day, because I remember that day in 2009 when George Tiller was, was shot and killed. It was Pentecost Sunday, right? Which for those of us in the Christian tradition is a big, big deal, Right. Pentecost is that time when newness and wonder and kind of a, a fearsome terror shakes the whole church to generate something new. You know, the, the rushing spirit of God in this holy wind comes in and makes all things new. And to see the death of George Tiller on that day was so shocking for so many of us who, you know, at the time were very active in support for pro-choice communities and abortion community and to sit here 13 years later and see all the connections between that violence and the continued violence against black and brown bodies in our streets the continued violence against our children the continued refusal to do anything about gun violence 
it is profound. And I, I don't think we, we have any easy answers. I don't think we have, um, you know, any, any um, happy endings to tie it all together except to acknowledge that we are in the struggle together. I, I have a, a prayer that I would like to close us with in this time, this sacred time that we have together, because we do remember that there is something that ties us all together something that is deeper than what we have experienced in our pain and our sorrow, or even our joy and our wonder. We remember that the ability to long for a new future is essential. And so we leave you with this prayer, a memorial intercession for George Tiller, his life and his legacy. And I hope that we can receive this in the spirit of prayer for all of those who have laid their life down in the service of something great. O God of merciful compassion, you who give life to healers so that they may bless our lives, we remember this day the life of Dr. George Tiller, a child of your heart and a man who walked in flesh among us. As we remember his soulful compassion, root in us a deeper compassion for all our neighbors. As we remember his life dedicated to healing, help us pour out our lives in healing for the benefit of your good earth. As we remember his cruel and violent death, keep our hearts from cruelty and violence for the goodness of all humankind. God of blessing, promise, and hope, may Dr. Tiller's life be a blessing for us and for our generations to come. Amen. Ashe. Inshallah, blessed be peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.